welcome to the Dicebreaker podcast. Uh, I'm Alex Meehan. I am doing hosting duties for Miss Jarvis, who is unable to make this week's episode. Uh, it is episode number 43. And here is uh, Alex Lowley's, uh, <laughs> one of the the hosts of the podcast, to tell us about what bingo call 43 is. <laughs> 43 is a down on your knees, which is a weird one. Um, It's so weird that I decided to look up why it was down on your knees. And it just says, harking back to wartime Britain, this phrase was often used by soldiers during the war. Wow. Uh, That's all I got. (laughs) So what, they'd say 43 down on your knees or just down on your knees? Either or. Depends if you're speaking to a superior officer. (laughs) <laughs> Say 43 when I'm talking to you, man, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Hello, I'm Johnny uh, Chiodini and I'm also here. Yes, uh, that's Johnny Chiodini. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is also here. Mm-hmm. Uh, little, little known <laughs> member of the Dicebreaker team, Johnny Chiodini, everyone. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, if you listen to the podcast, you may have entirely forgotten who I am because it's been approximately 15 years since I was last on it. So yes. it's nice to be back. Yes, it's, it's, nice it's to, lovely that you're here. Yes, mm. lovely to have you back with all your military knowledge. <laughs> yes, from my many years of service. I heard um, I heard that last week, because I wasn't on the podcast last mm. week, I heard that Wheels uh, decided to take over the job and, and try and figure out what 42 was. Yes. I heard he did something about a poo. Yes. Funnily. It was along those lines, yes. Funnily, the bingo call for 42 is actually Winnie the Pooh. I don't know yeah. if, you, if you looked it up in the end. Oh, but, don't um... worry. <laughs> Wills eventually did look it up. Oh, he did. Oh, he did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> After sort of freestyling his own version. Well, I think Lolis and I are just so used to Wheels going like, no, that's it, I've decided, and that is definitively the answer, that mm-hmm. I think we both assumed he wouldn't look it up. Yeah. But, um well, I'm glad. I'm glad we finally put last week's number to bed, and we can yeah. crack on with this week's. As if we didn't spend enough time last week on that particular segment. <laughs> Let's talk about it some more. Yeah, Will's likes to make his own reality. You know, mm. dreams big, mm. and uh, and you know, screw anyone else who doesn't believe in that. Exactly. Uh, dream. Uh, yeah, Johnny, would you like to tell us all about what you've been playing? Because this is a podcast about it's taken this long about tabletop games it's fine three and a half minutes is is positively like like yeah that's that's pretty quick for this podcast to be honest with you uh yes i'd love to tell you what i've been playing um mostly uh role-playing games because obviously it's still quite difficult to get around the table and play lots of games with people so recently i've been playing deadlands because i'm always playing deadlands um i i started playing in a shadow run campaign which is horrendously good fun um, I'm playing a face, and I never normally play like social-oriented characters, and I'm terrible. Like, I'm the worst smooth-talking face you'll ever meet. <laughs> um, what else have I been playing? Uh, Blaze in the Dark, because uh, Outside Xbox and Outside Extra have launched a, um, mm. a spin-off series from the Ox Venture, which I GM. Um, this one is Blaze in the Dark, GM by Luke Westaway, and it's great fun. Uh, and obviously I've been playing D&D, but um, in terms of actual tabletop games, I've been playing Setter Watch, because... I got tired of not having it because I left the copy in the office. I bought a copy and I've been playing that every now and then when I want a solo game to sort of meditate with. I played Swords of the Coin, uh, which is the upcoming expansion with wheels on uh, Tabletop Sim. We made a video out of it, which is on the channel. And oh, goodness me, we we made a couple of mistakes. Like we forgot 
in the first round to heal one of our our um our campers but um we got our butts handed to us like it is i'm really excited for that expansion i think the characters like the new classes are super super exciting but um oh man it just it just turned us upside down and shook us for our lunch money Mm. um but i think the most exciting thing i have played recently and again this was to make a video which is now on the channel we played din which is um a tcg um and it's excellent like it, mm. it borrows elements from poker. There's kind of like a betting element in terms of the cards you field. And there's a, a reveal kind of like the river in Texas Hold'em. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's just brilliant. Like there are these decks that are themed around different things. So you can um, pit sort of like monsters of legend versus uh, cards inspired by, you know, uh, popular domain horror creatures like Frankenstein's monster or Dracula, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But it's just a super quick game with like, well, it's really easy to pick up and it's got brilliant card synergy and um, all of the cards are puzzles. There are little sort of puzzle elements that will point you to URLs to kind of reveal this sort of ARG solution to things. Um, And the more puzzles that are successfully completed in each pack, the more cards get unlocked for future release. And oh, they've wow. even done things like the first person to solve a puzzle. Because um, there was like, um, <clears throat> well, I mean, there are lots of puzzles in them, but um, they work with the first person to solve it to generate a new card. So Ooh, wow. it's kind of, the puzzle element is completely optional. That's my dog barking in the background. <laughs> so that's just, I know yep. I said the puzzle element is completely optional and then we'll jump back in once she's. She's had her fill. Sorry about this feature, Lolis. Okay, I think that's fine. Right. Puzzle Hunt is completely optional. But there are <laughs> real-world sort of rewards if you do take it on. It's it's fantastic. Um, I've got some decks in the post from the States, and this honestly might be my new, my new like, TCG obsession. I oh. might I might stop talking about Doomtown Reloaded so much. Your baby. I know. I know. Cast aside. Well, the I've new, the new kid I've, on the block. I feel terrible about this, but there's a new expansion coming out, and I've decided not to buy it. Um, my friend and I, who who play it together, we had a conversation. We were like, we haven't played in over a year. We've barely touched the last two expansions, and to be honest with you, I'm I'm going to say it. It breaks my heart. We're worried about power creep. Seen a couple of characters, a couple of dudes in there, and it's like, no, I don't I, I don't want that in a deck. So. Mm. It's it might be Adios partner to wow. um to Doomtown Reloaded for me. Yep. Sorry to start the podcast off on a somber no, I note. Think, I didn't realise we were already going to the news element of, of the podcast. <laughs> okay. Well this... <laughs> that's more of a that's more of a tragic personal disclosure than news, isn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, we're not gonna put a, no offense to Johnny, news. but we're probably not gonna put a news piece on the site saying uh, local legend Johnny Chiedini burns Doomtown collection. <laughs> Well, I should hope not, because I'm not burning my bloody collection. I'm just not adding to it. It's but the what right about you, way Steve? To send it off. I mean, if you want to make the headlines, Johnny, you're going to have to burn that. I can't yeah, come on. Um, uh, only if you're going to burn every game you have that you're not adding to. Every all game. All that's out of print. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I what have... have 
any games that I would not add to. Mm-hmm. Okay. What <laughs> what have you two been playing then? Before we um. Can I go becomes... next? Yeah. Can we do a sandwich? Because I've played only Welcome to, which you've also played, Johnny. I have. Yes. This um, is an upcoming video. Actually, by the time the podcast goes live, it will be live on the channel, won't it? Yeah. Mm. That's all I've played. I played that yesterday with, with yourself and Wheels. And uh, I don't think I've played any other board games in... Well, what I guess when was I on the podcast last? Two weeks ago. Hmm. What have I been doing this whole time? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we played Soulbound, didn't we, Lolis? Oh, yeah, of course. We played Soulbound. Um, yeah, it was funny, though, because I was... Because uh, the first episode of that went up last week. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <laughs> When that went up, I was like, I don't remember playing this. <laughs> so, so like, I can't even really talk about it. I remember I was a tree, mm-hmm. yeah, um, person, and that's all I got. Um, I my mind's just completely wiped it. That's all right um, from all existence. You were so I did. Invested. I almost played Star Realms, but then I didn't. Um, I I planned to burn play it, mate. A lot of burn games. your collection. <laughs> If you're not playing Star Realms, you should burn it. Yep, put it on the fire. Yep. I'm planning to play loads of games this week, actually. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I haven't played anything yeah. in the last week or two. Except for Welcome 2, I think. It um, is very good, that game, though. It was um, I'm really glad you you introduced me to it. When you were explaining it, I was sat there like, you know when you've got that horrible pit in your stomach? You're like, this doesn't make sense. And it should be clicking by now. And I think I'm stupid. And yeah. this is clearly my fault. Um, I got that and then there reached a point where by the end of your explanation I was like okay I understand what I'm doing now I think but um, oh it's a corker it's just very very good um, Roland rights mate yeah oh, flipping rights in this flipping case, rights but... yeah mm. we don't want to cross those streams we want to mm. keep it exactly what, what 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 it is just say what it is how about you Mian? <laughs> oh what have I been playing uh, I have been playing uh, Forbidden Desert um great game yeah i um <laughs> we've had this discussion we have had this discussion i'm not such a fan of it because it's it's nails and maybe i've just had some really bad luck with it but it's nails in a way that feels overly capricious like it's the sun beats down cards they're just brutal they're mm. absolutely heinous mm. uh, to be fair i haven't played desert in ages mm. island is a good one though i love Ooh. island yeah um Ooh. Contentious. I've played desert in years. But yeah, desert. I don't know, desert, more than once I've just found myself being like, why is this, why are you like this? Mm. But anyways, it's not not my segment, it's your playing segment. Please carry on, I'm sorry. I enjoy the difficulty. I like the, I like to be punished by the game. Um, What? We're back to the news bill. We're going to get some emails about that one. (laughs) <laughs> Alex Mian of Dicebreaker fame likes to be punished. In certain circumstances, like this one, like um, I played. No, I understand what you mean. I, I am the same. I think I like it to be nails. I played mm. Forbidden. The funny thing is, I don't really like really hard video games, but I quite like hard board games. I don't know why. Uh, mm. I think it's because a lot of them are a co-op anyway, so it kind of feels like you're in in the toilet together. Um, but I've played Forbidden Island and I don't remember much about it at all Mm -hmm. I know that it's got like rising waters and you have to find magical pieces of something yeah Um, whereas Whereas Forbidden Desert the whole gimmick is there's a sandstorm and the tiles move 
uh, as the sandstorm kind of blows. And I just think that's a really fun and interesting mechanic. It is, it is very cool. And like the fact that you, you sort of, you almost use a grid system, don't you, to, mm. to search tiles. Um, it's very cool, but it's just sometimes you can feel very hemmed in when the sand tiles stack up and up and up on top of one another. You're mm. like, well, we need to search this tile, but also I've got to remove five layers of sand from it. Whereas in Forbidden Island, you might remember that tiles are either fine, they're flooded, or they sink and are removed from the game. Mm. Yeah, so, tiles never removed from the game in Forbidden Desert. There's never mm. that risk. It's always just like they can get so you can run out of sand tiles, yeah. which causes you to lose as well as anyone dying. Uh, so there's like multiple ways to lose the game. Mm. Uh, so take your pick <laughs> of failures. Um, we did lose, funnily enough. Uh, mm. I died. Uh, my character, I was playing the archaeologist, I think, who can sort of take away more sand tiles at once. Uh, so they're really effective in that sense, but they've also got less water in their in their container. They can hold less. That's it. It's the sun beats down the sand you're eating. Yeah, yeah, which means that, you know, Ooh. we were doing... <laughs> we were doing really well uh, up to, like the point where we drew several of those cars and I was just in a position where we were about to get water and then I I think we were trying to have it both ways. We were trying to get every player character onto the space where we'd find water so we could maximise how right. many people gained water at once. But mm. by doing that, it meant we waited too long and I died mm. of, of dehydration. Uh, but I just think that game is really great with the with the movement mechanic of the tiles i just think that's so cool i think it mm. like immerses players into thinking oh yeah this is a sandstorm like the tiles are literally moving it's like a living game board um mm. and it does really push you like i think it's a game that people could easily dismiss as being like oh, this is the game for kids or whatever. And then you sit it down and you open up and go, no, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> to prepare to get <laughs> stepped on. Slapped in the face. Fool. Um, and then, yeah, you, you lose, potentially. or win. I've won that game before. Um, mm. But it's usually very close, which I appreciate as well. I don't want to walk in the park. No, um, absolutely. So we played that. We played some Azul. Lovely, oh, nice. absolutely delightful. Everyone has talked about, you know, to to hear and back. So, um, you know, if you've not played it, just play as all for good. Been there, sake. done that, made the biscuits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lonely's made some biscuits. Watch the video. Watch the video. It's on. Please. It's on YouTube. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, and we played that and had a great time. Uh, it was really easy to teach to some new players as well, but it's just got so much depth. Um, it's really great. Uh, played that on TTS, so we didn't get the full experience of the beautiful components, unfortunately. Oh. The, Azul, the Azul on TTS is great, though. Yeah, it's like, really good. The scripted good. version is fantastic because yeah. it does all the maths Ooh. and everything as well. Yeah, yeah I can imagine that being being yeah. handy because yeah. messing up in scoring is something I've definitely done before mm, and not yeah. realised how many points I'm meant to get. I think Lolis and I have probably played the same mod because um, yeah. it's one that's just incredible. You open up, you're yeah. like, I can't believe what's happening right now. This is the you just put in the number of players and it just sets everything yeah. up for you, yeah. and then you're just like Ooh. clicking buttons. It's yes, yeah. and it, 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 done. it even like puts all your tiles in for you. 
yeah. like at the the end of the tile taking phase it puts them all That's in for good. you and it puts all the tiles you haven't um like you've overused back into the the game as well and it does all your scoring for you it's incredible yeah. um yeah would recommend that mod uh mm-hmm. brackets support publishers etc etc uh and we've also i also played uh scythe <laughs> What? making a comeback (laughs) did it ever go away yeah i mean Uh, i think root replaced it a little bit yeah oh there we go Root was the the new thing for a while but then (laughs) the group that i played with was like we should play scythe again i was like okay uh so scythe report this week uh uh, spoiler alert i lost (laughs) oh yeah yeah um the thing is i i've accepted that like I know how to play the game roughly. Um, granted, we're a bit out of practice, so you know I wasn't so on the ball. But I just take forever to do anything, and I think I spread my my efforts too thinly. Like the 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 better side player like focuses on okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do these objectives and mm. get this much you know popularity and whatever. But I'm I see everything within reach, and I'm like. Yeah, I'll just sort of put a bit in this, put a bit in this. Before you know it, like an hour and a half in, uh, everyone else has got four stars and you're sort of sat there on two. Yeah. And you're like, what did I do that whole time? I do I do like the fact that every game of Scythe you get a different board. So no faction plays exactly the same way every single time. Mm. But there is definitely an element with Scythe where I think players can look at their board and look at their faction and... Um, just through the the knowledge accumulated from repetition, they can work out which strategy will work best for them in that particular scenario mm. and then go for it. Because I think, un- unfortunately, if you do try and jack a ball in, in scythe, it might serve you well to begin with, but you're going to run out of steam eventually. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Like, I, I... The thing is, mechs are great because they, they get you places, especially if you're stuck somewhere where there is no metal... Mm. Like you want to try and get a mech so you can get out of the location you're in, start mm. gaining more re- you know resources. But upgrades are great if you're finding it really hard to get a mech. Love an upgrade. It, yeah, it means that you can lessen the amount of you know like resources it takes to get a mech. So you're like, oh, mm. maybe I'll work on that. And then you've also got the endless, what get you thing every time you build a mech. Delicious. Like, oh, I mean, I why wouldn't work you? On that as yeah. well. Why not? Oh, they're all delicious. I yeah. mean, it wasn't it wasn't a criticism. It just wasn't no. praise. Uh, it's <laughs> very very kind of you, Johnny. Uh, it's like I'm at a buffet, and I'm putting mm. like like watsits and lemon meringue pie and like coleslaw on the same plate. And what all those buffet things, are you going to? And in those, what year? <laughs> all of those things are delicious. In their you know, own it's way. like you're at a buffet. It's 1992. Yeah. And your watsits have gotten into your lemon meringue pie. Yeah. And everyone else has got stars down on the board because they're having quiche. It's... Yeah, yeah. They're playing the sensible route of like oh, combining. Man. I really want quiche now. Yeah, of combining like quiche with like some pickle or something which is a delicious combination whereas you're like i am just shoving everything i can on the plate and in the end none of it really works 
So no. lonely is you might writing a note of please get quiche or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm literally telling myself quiche for dinner. Good on you. <laughs> quiche is excellent, but I will forget otherwise. Yeah, our friend one, uh, one, uh, so Matt also played, um, uh, but um, one of one of the, the my other friends won, who doesn't always win, so it was nice. Change of pace there. That's nice. Yeah. Dethroned the tyrant, as we call the wow. player who usually wins. Um, and I was just sat there at the end going, like, what happened? Like, where did I go wrong? Where did all my dreams, you know, die? Mm. But maybe next time. Yeah. I'll learn from my mistakes, maybe. And you know what? The podcast will be waiting. Oh, yeah. They love this stuff. Like, regardless of whether <laughs> I win or lose, they love this, right? They always want this. Yeah, 100%. Scythe update, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unless anyone else has played anything else. Nah. Shall nope. we move on to some news? Oh, yeah. Maybe. Oh, oh. this week. Maybe. Okay. Uh, sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> news is cancelled. Uh, Lowly's in short. Yeah, the, the news this week has been popping off, as I should say so myself. Um, it's been a busy week. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna cover this first story, written by our very own uh, Matt Jarvis, and it turns out that tabletop games have raised 236 million dollars on Kickstarter. Wow! In, uh, last year, um, so that's another record-breaking year for tabletop games on Kickstarter. Uh, apparently that accounts for nearly a third of all the money raised on the site in 2020 so that's wild uh, yeah that's, that's buck wild um turns out that tabletop games are the popular on kickstarter who knew mm. um yeah so duh, 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 there's a lot of stats here uh but there's a apparently it's a massive increase year on year uh, that tabletop games has seen funding on Kickstarter over the last five years. Um, do... There's a lot of like numbers on this, which isn't my favourite thing to do. Sure. Uh, so I'm sort of just getting to the the fun bits. Obviously, mm. uh, some of the big names to mention are Kingdom Death Monster 1.5 is mm. the still God. the. The biggest, uh, well, it used to be the biggest tabletop game in Kickstarter to date, but uh, that was overthrown last year by Frosthaven. Of course it was. Mm-hmm. Um, which was enormous. It yes. almost uh, raised $13 million. I mean, I guess part of that is because increasingly publishers are turning to Kickstarter as just a convenient way to fulfill pre-orders. Mm. But also, there's no denying that just the sheer momentum mm. of of games on Kickstarter, it really sort of carries over. It feels like, especially on Instagram, like whenever I get served ads online, it's like, look at this Kickstarter. It's got 400 miniatures. Like they always lead with that first. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that kind of, that sort of feeling of like Kickstarter being not just a way to pre-order, but like to get it in the deluxe version. You know, you'll get sort of Kickstarter exclusives. And to an extent, I think a lot of that plays off of uh, the fear of missing out, Mm, um, which I sort of have feelings about. There have been times I've been like, oh, I should really, really ought to back this because I don't I want to. And then I've, you know, held my ground and been relieved to just see it come to 
leisure games or whatever. Mm, the FOMO is real. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen, having browsed the uh, board game section of Reddit, uh, I've seen quite a few people, a common conversation on there is, we're getting sick of miniatures on Kickstarters, uh, slash Kickstarters are really expensive. Uh, and it's become such a common, you know, uh, subject of conversation mm. that they've literally, it seems like there's now a weekly, okay, let's talk about this. And it's yeah. like acknowledged amongst the users, like, let's have another conversation about the fact that, you know, Kickstarters are expensive and some of us are getting sick of miniatures. Um, yeah, because, you know, a lot of people are sleepwalking into being war gamers. Like, I, I firmly believe that if you want to go in for a war game, you know, like uh, like Frostgrave or, or Warhammer or whatever, mm-hmm. go for it. But, you know, like, it's when board games are like, and look, look at all these delicious miniatures you get, and they're all unpainted resin or, you know, mm. sort of just formed plastic. People get antsy, I think. Mm. I think it's when it feels like it's not necessary. Like, I think mm. this is a, again, this is a common subject of conversation on this podcast. Mm. Uh, I am... I'd say a lot of the blame is on my shoulders <laughs> because I seem to, I just get a bit fed up with like particularly Kickstarters where like the majority of the content on the description is just look at those monitors rather than like, how does this game actually play? Well, not yeah. only is that annoying for me as a writer who needs to explain to people what the game is and what you do in it. It's also annoying for me if I was a consumer because it's like, okay, well, there's all these miniatures, but what, like, why sh- else should I care about this game? Mm. Like, I, I, what if I don't care about the miniatures? What if, what if there are great gameplay mechanics that they're, they're just not bothering to, you know, cover the, in favor of p- terrible pictures and miniatures? Sometimes <laughs> terrible pictures, <laughs> you know, with the worst backgrounds. Mm. Um, yeah, other games include Nemesis Lockdown, which I was actually really interested in, uh, which also has miniatures. But um, uh, I, I want Nemesis is one of those games I really want to play because it's basically alien, mm. um, you know, without the copyright. Um, yeah. And Lockdown was a kind of spin-off, standalone expansion thing uh, that was pretty popular. It got seven million. And Return to Dark Tower, which got four million. Um, yeah, a lot of people were excited about that as well. The tower is pretty cool. I did yeah. see a, a prototype at, at one of the packs. Is 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 is. I feel that um, it's pretty. It's pretty decent. Yeah, I, I I like the idea of it's a lot of it's nostalgia because I imagine a lot of people mm. like with Hero Quest, for example, which wasn't on Kickstarter. It was on a Rule separate. Sword. Yeah, Rule Sword. Yep, it was on a separate um, funding site, and that did pretty well. Mm. I remember um, it is a mixture of nostalgia with those kind of games but also like I never played Dark Tower but I know of it because it kind of has a notoriety of one it had that you know uh, advert with uh, Orson Welles in it oh yeah one of the last things he did before he died uh, and it is captures that period of weird kind of peripherals mm. in games um, yeah yeah that works yeah yeah gubbins gubbins which were kind of seen making a comeback in the form of apps i guess um yeah 
I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. I think apps can form into the in, uh, fall into the category of gubbins rather than just like an aid to cut through the the nonsense. But mm. yeah, I think people are more accepting of those nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm willing to give them a shot if they work. They add something. Um, mm. It's interesting to note that. Um, when it came to so video games, obviously popular on Kickstarter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but comparatively, it video games raised uh, twenty two point three million on Kickstarter in twenty twenty, which is like ten percent of the amount that tabletop games raised. Uh, yeah. and, uh, only six of vi- you know the video game projects on there raised over five hundred thousand mm. um, dollars. So it's funny to see. You know, two mediums that obviously are different, but they have some crossover. The vast difference in terms of how much they're being used on Kickstarter, yeah. probably. Because um, video games cost a lot of money. Here's a little insight. They cost a lot of money to <laughs> They do. But it's, I mean, I think also just the structure in terms of um, studios... Um, I mean, a lot of publishers are risk averse, so mm. you know they're willing to throw the big money behind projects, but only when they know that project is is going to be like is definitely going to make its money back. But yeah. also, while the development costs are very very high, the cost of actually producing the game in terms of burning it into a disc or mm. releasing a digital code is practically zero. So I think in terms of tabletop games, it does make a lot more sense to use Kickstarter to cover your production costs. In terms of, because we're talking, basically we're talking about development cost and production cost as a physical object. Um, and I think just because there's a lot more of that on in tabletop games, I think it makes more sense to use a crowdfunding website as a metric for how, just how many copies you need to make, basically. Because with a video game, it's, gosh, I hope we sell a lot of them. Yeah. And with a, a tabletop game, it's like, oh, gosh, I hope we don't make too many of these. Mm. You know, so. Yeah. A tricky business, which is why I'm not in it. I just talk about it because that's <laughs> a, a lot safer, even if the wages are. Um... Oh, sorry. I think my mic cut out there. What's next on there? What's next on on the news? Right. Uh, okay. Next on the news. Uh, this is what I've written. Um, mm. uh, actually, came out today. Although technically, when the podcast comes out, it would have been earlier in the week. Uh, so the co-designer of Dead of Winter, um, uh, Isaac Vega, um, you know, they've also, um, you know, co-created projects like um, they made Forgotten Waters. What did they make? Or did they co-design it? It's fine. They were involved in Forgotten Waters, which came out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also uh, helped create um, Ashen rise of the phoenix born um uh they've started their own uh publishing house uh, uh alongside uh, another designer um called lindsay road uh and the publishing house is called rose gauntlet entertainment um and they've already announced several games that they're going to put out uh one of them is called keystone north america uh, which is a game about building an ecosystem uh, using cards and actions. And the artwork's rather adorable. Uh, I use this one of a possum, I believe it is. 
Oh, yeah, it's a possum with three possum babies. Yeah, with possum babies. Um, and it looks like that's going to be a running series because they've already kind of confirmed the existence of Keystone Africa. Um, so presumably it's going to be like, oh, here's a new continent, which is potentially a might be an expansion or a standalone game. We don't know for sure. Um, there's also going to be a RPG called Life After Dungeon. Um, which is described as a dungeon crawling RPG. Uh, and um, so we had a chat with Isaac about Rose Gauntlet. And he confirmed that uh, Life After Dungeon will be their first implementation of like digital integration with tabletop games so they haven't confirmed what that's going to be but um you know potentially an app or or maybe so that the studio is also making a video game mm -hmm. called gone to gaia so it might be the case that there could be a video game version and an rpg uh, again not a misconfirm um but yeah there's this gone to gaia video game which is described as a deck building game uh, where you play three different characters and you need to explore a world covered in a fog called the Tide. Um, so, and that's going to be designed by uh, Vega. So it's going to be his first sort of video game project. Mm. Uh, but they're all being published by Rose Gauntlet. So they're, right. they're not just a tabletop publisher. They're a games publisher. That's cool. Mm. So those games are set to be released sort of in a mixture of time frames. There's going to be a Kickstarter for Keystone in April. Um, uh, then the other games are sort of coming around 2023. So nothing hugely confirmed yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, hopefully should be exciting. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, our next story is... Um, so, uh, there are more Dune board games coming. Um, so we've already had quite an influx of of Dune Dune themed board games uh, recently. So there's obviously the remake of the original Dune, uh, and there it there was Dune Imperium last year, and there's a Dune uh, sort of tabletop RPG coming uh, this year. Uh, but this is a new game from Portal Games. Um, they do the Detective series. Mm. Uh, and um, this game called um, Dune House Secrets is based off of uh, the same system they use for Detective. Honk, honk. I did not know about this, but I'm mega excited now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so... It's going to be uh, the first game. It's going to be in a trilogy of games. Mm -hmm. So the first one is going to be uh, a series of a prologue and three episodes um, where players uh, become a group of rebels on the planet Arrakis mm -hmm. uh, as things are kicking off there. Um, so presumably there's going to be stuff involving spice and the different houses conflicting and things like that. So you're going to be looking to complete various missions during each of the episodes. Uh, and between episodes, with any experience you've gathered, you can sort of upgrade your character as well. 
Um, so you can either play the episodes as a full campaign or as standalone experiences. And the decisions you make in the first game will have an impact on the second and third game if you choose to play them. Big into this. Um, so uh, there's no specific details on how that's going to work mm. uh, or any you know specific story details besides the whole, you're on Arrakis, you're rebels. Uh, it yeah. is being made by a lot of the people involved with the detective series. Mm-hmm. So Ignazi Shivashek is on there. Um, same with... Um, oh, gosh... Yeah, you know all the all the favorites. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the release date is set for later this year, so quarter three. Mm. Um, and it's also specifically based on the upcoming film uh, adaptation. Oh, okay. So it's not based on the books. It's based Aww. specifically on this new film uh, by Denis Villeneuve. Okay. Um, which is. Coming yeah. out this year. I think so. I'm marginally less excited now, just because I I really love the books. Um, yeah. And I would rather they were based on that. But still, I mean, like, I think I've spoken on the podcast before about how I'm a big fan of Detective. Um, I think mm. it's great. Uh, although one of the cases in Detective season one is is Bunk. Um, uh, it's I think it's it's just a really nice sort of brain scratchy way to play. And if you can upgrade your characters in between, I think it'd be dead good. Because I I imagine what that will do is make it easy for you to take certain actions because in detective for example sometimes you'll want to chase down a lead but you won't want to spend the time or the resources necessary to actually investigate mm. i i bet you with character progression is to do with making those decisions uh less costly mm. um which i think is it's sort of an addition i didn't realize i wanted for that sort of game because i think when you get to the end of detective you answer the you basically answer a questionnaire you take a pop quiz about what you think happened and then it tells you how well you did and sort of the the rewards you get from for finishing a um a case is basically just knowing how much of it you got right but if it also means the difference between being able to upgrade your character by x or y amount then um that's a much bigger incentive and i like it Mm. so there yeah well, this is the first sort of Dune game we've ever had that's been focused on story kind of elements. A lot of, you know, the previous existing games have been very much set in the world, but not really like that. Yeah, it's been, about... it's been about power and, yeah, it's, you know, sort the usual of... thing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So um, that was announced during Portal Con, which happened mm. over the weekend. Um exciting stuff mm-hmm. uh, okay uh, this next story is Warhammer related <laughs> <laughs> so um, Warhammer Quest the next board game uh, has been announced called Cursed City this one is by Chase by the way our news writer uh, hi Chase and, yeah <laughs> uh, Warhammer extraordinaire um mm. yeah so this is i believe johnny probably knows more than i do about this uh but there are a series of dungeon crawling games mm-hmm. uh sort of based in the world of warhammer yeah um so there are some like the last one released was um blackstone fortress which i believe is 
based in 40k but this mm-hmm. is definitely based in sort of warhammer fantasy mm. um yeah and it looks dead good mm. so it will take place uh in ethel ethel khan yeah uh that'll do yeah that'll do <laughs> that's enough <laughs> it's close enough yeah um and there's a lot of lore to do with dark gods and and that sort of thing yes um, yes <laughs> it's it, it yeah it looks very sort of um almost bloodborne or silent hill like it's sort of they're really leaning into the goth sort of grim dark aesthetic which i know is what warhammer's always been about but like this feels extra mm, like it looks cool yeah, it's like there's a dude with a, a rifle with an underslung uh, stake launcher and he's got broad leather belts for days. Um, he's, uh, what's his name again? It's Derek, uh, the former witch hunter expelled from his order, says this story, over unbecoming conduct. Oh dear. Um, uh, maybe it's for his overly ostentatious hat. I don't know, but basically <laughs> I really want this miniature. Uh, a bit much. Yeah. I like the miniature on the right. What's that? Horrible is what it is. I love it. It's got a little mm. baby down there. Baby? Yeah, I would like little... say that's a corpse. Oh, I thought it looked like they a look little like dead baby thing. Mm. Oh, well. God. Uh, no. Yeah, it could be a... F- yeah, it's got yeah. slugs. Uh, anyway. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the fourth game in the, the Warhammer Quest series. Um, and... Uh, I don't think it has a release date yet. Um, we don't know how much money it costs. Yeah, no, uh, Games Workshop tends to play its cards pretty close to its chest about that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, pre-orders tend to go live like a week or two before release. Mm. Um, but yes, um, details presumably to come. It was part of a bigger sort of preview um, showing off sort of the, the big hitters for 2021 for mm. Warhammer. So um, they're... Uh, there was more of the Lumineth, I think, sort of the faction they're focusing on at the minute for Age of Sigmar. There was a lovely new model for the Adeptus Serratus in uh, 40k, which I want because it's a big mech and it looks really cozy. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that sounds stupid in, you know, the the dark future of, you know, the Imperium of Man, that there's a, a, a nun walking around in a mech that looks like it should be heated on the inside, but that's what it <laughs> looks like. Um, and the... I th- uh, Oh, uh, Kill Team got a new release. I think it might be... Is it Necrons? Um, I don't know. Yeah, hang on. Uh, I've got the news. Oh, there is another news story there. I think yes. it might be Necron Flayed Ones. Um, they're very, very cool looking. Um, but yeah. Ooh, yeah. there's a oh, there's a lovely... I haven't seen that build of the, the Adeptus Sororitas mech. Delicious. Sorry, I, <laughs> I, I play... Adep- I play um, Adeptus Rorotus, the Sisters of Battle, so that's mm. why I'm getting all excited. But I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, no, you, mate, you're a much better person to talk about this than me because I'm literally well, just repeating stuff I'm seeing here. Because I don't... well, the headline news basically, um, if if you're just tuning in, is um, Games Workshop is quite busy this year and they're mm. still making a lot of money. <laughs> oh yeah, that's so. <laughs> that's the long and short of it, basically. Mm. All, all's well as ends well. In that mm. um, we got a quick uh, news story here about the 15th anniversary edition of Ticket to Ride Europe. Um, so, yeah. 
Oh no, I don't like it. Yeah, just in case you need the Oh, oh, I haven't seen it yet. Um, Was it? Has it got solid gold stations or something? No, um, it's got these oh. tins. Uh, no, that's the not. The trains ha- are pretty cool. The trains are, in fairness, pretty cool. They're quite high detail. Mm, but, yeah. And the state, actually, the stations, while not being solid gold, they're pretty nice. They are nice. They're too too color plastic. But um, yeah, no, nah, that's that's not how you do a game in a tin. <laughs> Forbidden Island. That's how you do a game in a tin. Mm. But I think that's for the components. That's yeah, for the individual yeah. train. Oh, component. like for each player. <gasps> oh, wait. oh, okay. Shut up, Johnny. You that's put great. Each of the trains <laughs> in the tins there. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes, I should. I should have twigged from the fact that there are five tins on the board. Uh, so the board presumably would not fit in any one of those tins. <laughs> yeah. So in this uh, version, <laughs> God, <laughs> celebrating the 15th anniversary of Ticket to Ride Europe. Uh, will feature these little tins that contain these newly designed trains and stations. Oh, no. That's pretty cool, actually. I do like it. I'm changing my mind Yeah. Sorry, Ticket to Ride. I don't like the tins, but I like the idea. I like what they were trying to do. Mm. Sorry, go on, Mian. That's all right. (laughs) So this new version is going to have new artwork uh, and uh, uh, potentially a larger game board. Um... The designer said, um, Alan R. Moon said, uh, there's going to be, it's going to be bigger, but did not spe- specify what exactly is bigger. Okay. Um, <laughs> but all the, mecha- all the mechanics are still there. They're, they're hmm. going to be the same. I think there's going to be some new um, uh, cards that you can use in the game. Um, I've heard there's also going to be an optional rule whereby if you're building any train lines from mainland Europe to the United Kingdom, it takes three times as long as it normally does to get there. Boom, boom. No. Wonderful stuff. Mm. Um, so there's yet to confirm exactly how much this is going to be. Uh, but it's going... What the hell? I'm sorry, I'm just looking at the map. And Ireland is like on the map, but there's no trains going to Ireland. How sad. Anyway, go on. It's because you get on the ferry, mate. It's great yeah, fun. Yeah, you get on the ferry. You're kidding. Love the ferry. Um, yeah, uh, it's going to be released this spring. Um, hmm. So if you want a fancy version of <gasps> Ticket to Ride Europe. It's spring now. No, it not. really isn't. It's January, <laughs> mate. <laughs> what is Outside my window, there is snow. <laughs> um, let's quickly move on to this news piece from Chase uh, about a new card game from the designer of Citadels. Um, so uh, this game is called Dreadful Circus. <laughs> Terrible name for a business. I like the name. Yeah, come and visit no, the I, Dreadful Circus. I like, I like the I like, name as well. I'm just saying it's. I, I don't think that's going to be great for... Um, visitors, yeah. For visitors. Going, Sorry, yeah. I, I got distracted by Chase's um, picture on the site. He's very handsome, isn't he? <laughs> Sorry. Ooh. Got some admirers, Chase, Mid if you listen sentence. to this. I'm pretty sure he listens to the podcast. He's mentioned it before. Well, well. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll love the compliment. Um... Yeah, so it was Chase, also... I'm sorry to say, Johnny is a married man. So it is true. Off. <laughs> oh, lonely Stephanie. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it was yeah. Also announced as part of the the PortalCon live stream. Uh, so Bruno Falduti, 
uh, is making this game or has probably made this game uh, where you have to erect your best possible <laughs> circus. Why did you shout that word like that? <laughs> Just, you know, announce, you know, enunciating for the listeners. Okay. Um... <laughs> I was holding it together until Lonely's went off. <laughs> So you got to you got to build a circus. Yeah, you got to build a dreadful circus. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And however, um, players will earn abilities to change their scoring rules, uh, and essentially affect how the end of the game will work out. So there's some skullduggery involved, um, uh, and it's apparently designed to never be played the same way twice. So that's a promise. Mm. Um. Yeah, uh, there will be a Kickstarter for the game coming later this year. Um, and this was announced at the same time as Eleven Football Manager. Uh, presumably a board game about managing a football team. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. And obviously the previously mentioned Doom Secret Houses. House Secret House, house Secret. House, sorry, house sorry, Secret not secret, secret Houses. House, house Secret. <laughs> that sounds interesting. I mean, it... Um... I'm intrigued. According to the piece, it plays uh, plays out in about thirty five minutes. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, that we all, my eye as well. We all know the numbers on the side of a box are lies, but um, like the idea that there are different win conditions, it kind of feels like it would scratch the same itch as root in a way, mm. uh, which I like the sound of because mm. I bloody love root. Yeah, I'm right there with you, my friend. Root's mm. pretty good. Um, this last news story, rounding out <gasps> the news. Is also done by Handsome Chase, um, <laughs> as he is now known. <laughs> oh, no, I. I'm not sure about that because it might. I, I don't want to make it a thing. You know. Don't worry, I'm just teasing you. Um, I just HR is sick of talking to me. You know? <laughs> HR is talking to all of us all the time. Yeah, especially um, after the the sexy Matt debacle. <laughs> I don't know what that is, and I think it's better that I never know. <laughs> no, I'm joking. That oh, okay. Happens. Oh, thank God. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I could I feel like more of my hairs that. going grey. Um, yeah, so this news piece, uh, the authors of Dragonlance uh, have announced a new trilogy of, quote, classic D&D novels uh, beginning mm. this year. Um, so this is all part of a larger sort of kerfuffle. Mm. Uh, involving legal oh. rights around the Dragonlance uh, series of novels. That's right, yeah. Um, that's been going on. Uh, Chase has done pretty much all the stories on this, so uh, I'm not an expert. <laughs> um, but this new set of books will be published by Del Rey uh, Books Publishing, which is part of Penguin's Random House mm. sort of science fiction fantasy section. Uh, mm -hmm. In partnership with Wizards of the Coast, so uh, they've given mm -hmm. the go ahead. Uh, I'm so sorry if you can hear my dog growling in the background. By the way, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> I thought that was the wind. Oh uh, no, it's no? a it's a it's small a... Staffordshire terrier. Yeah, she's riled <laughs> up. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of legal stuff. It went to court because um, mm. the the series was cancelled, I believe. Uh, but now uh, fans can rest assured that they can uh, they, they can continue the Dragonlance saga uh, 
Because apparently this is a continuation of the story taking place. I'm gonna slide that door closed. Carry on. <laughs> wow, this has been a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forgive us all, Mr. Jarvis. <laughs> We're trying our best. Um, yeah, uh, uh, the the authors have said they couldn't be happier to return to the world they love. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, you can expect the first book in the new trilogy to be released later this year. Hey, hey. Exciting stuff. I don't read the D&D books. Um, Me neither. Um, I'm getting a good look at the uh, the covers mm-hmm. here because there's a picture of the three of them in the um, yeah. Yeah. in the news post. Gross. They yeah. do indeed look like classic fantasy novels. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've got all the, the, the beloved parts. There's this very small... Is that a dwarf? Yeah. A, a gnome? Yeah. Uh, there's gnome. sort of done in a, yeah, a sort of very classic fantasy painting style... Mm. Um, and then sort of with big, bold text overlays. And uh, I'm, I won't lie to you, I think they look hideous. Yeah, no, gross. <laughs> I was yeah. classic. I think they're definitely challenging that um, classic fantasy aesthetic. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I'm not, not a fan of Eva. Mm. Um, having, you know, I don't, I haven't read a lot of, quote, classic fantasy books. I'm more into mm. the modern sort of stuff. I um, think you'd get on with some Robin Hobb. Oh, we've talked about Robin Hood before, haven't we? Or have really? we? I don't know. I really want to read this book called Mist of Avalon, uh, which is a, apparently a classic fantasy book. Ooh. That has nothing to do with D&D. So. Um, yeah, there you go. And that's all the news for this week. <gasps> all right. Uh, it's time to move on to emails. 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 <laughs> <laughs> do my job for me. Uh, you can contact Dicebreaker uh, at uh, at join Dicebreaker on Twitter to send us uh, a, a question, or you can send an email to email uh, I podcast at dicebreaker dot com, isn't it? Probably. <laughs> or or contact at dicebreaker dot com will also work. Yeah, try either of those ones. You know, yeah. like whisper on the wind. Listen to last maybe... week's podcast. Matt will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we'll hear it. Um, uh, yeah. Or if you're just finishing a carton of milk uh, mm-hmm. or or plant-based milk, uh, just Ooh. take the load off again, whisper your question into that, um, pop it in the recycling, and uh, your question will automatically reach us. Yeah, because mm-hmm. magic. Yeah, because recycling is magic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we are magic, so therefore we are connected. There we go. Anyway, <laughs> we know when you don't rinse out your tins, so watch yeah. it. Sort that stuff out. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I feel like Johnny's looking at me when he's saying that. <laughs> Rinse you, your tins, Lolis. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. All Lolis. of them, every we, time. We know if you don't rinse them. Mm. Um, uh, Lolis to um, to uh, you know uh, make up for your crimes of not washing <laughs> tins properly. Would you be able I to do. read this question from Simon, please? I'd love to. Simon says, "Hi guys. Simon Hope you're says." All- Simon says, all right, jump up in the air. Come on. Um, Hope you're all safe and well. With the plethora of online games, I was looking to play something a a different way and wondered if any of you had played any games, either RPGs or board games, by post or social media, (gasps) Twitter, for example. Many thanks, Simon. And I'm looking at Johnny because I know Johnny's played something in Mm. the mail, right? Oh, yes, I have. Um, So firstly, uh, 
I'm going to loop back to, uh, oh God, it was almost a year ago now that uh, I couldn't stop talking about diplomacy. Mm. But um, with Backstabber, uh, you can basically play diplomacy by post, but online, and it's wonderful. Uh, if you want to fall out with a bunch of your friends at the same time, uh, that is a genuinely great game. But um, yeah, playing by post. I mean, I've, I've played um, solo journal writing RPG, The Machine, which is wonderful. Um, and when you're done with the book, you're supposed to um, give it to somebody else. Uh, so that's what I did with a bunch of friends. We sort of like would make a hand. We I posted it to a friend um, who sent it to someone else. And then one of my friends buried it in a field and uh, left them that. Uh, left them a cryptic note and a trowel oh to um to to go dig it up. That was quite funny. Um, and then when it was passed on again, it was hidden in the back of a painting that uh, my friend snuck into our other friend's house and put on the wall. I'm not even kidding. So uh, the machine is a brilliant game that you can pass on between people. However, there is an RPG that I've been really been meaning to play um, called The Resistance of New Holloway, which is a letter writing game. You are um sort of uh i guess like separatist agents like living undercover and writing to one another about your efforts to resist a, a fascist government basically um it was written um in the run-up to last year's u.s presidential election when the u.s postal service was uh in danger we shall say and the idea was to uh, fight fascism and and protect the usps at the same time um you write a letter and then you draw the top card off a deck of cards and post that along with your, without looking at it, and post it to your friend. And then they look at that card and that's their writing prompt for that letter. And then they write their letter, include one of their own cards and send that off. Um, I've not played it yet, but I am absolutely bursting to because I think it's going to oh, be wow. wonderful. Hmm. So games by post, they are good. Exciting also, stuff. there are plenty of games that you can play asynchronously, right, on tabletop mm. sites or yes yeah, so allows you to do that and root as well mm. they both allow you to play a synchronously yeah uh lowlings have you played any games via post or social media i don't think i have it's a good question actually and the the post thing really appeals to me like mm. i think that sounds like something i'd really like to go mm. and have a go at but i've never just never tried to set it up i guess mm. um yeah, neither have yeah. I. I've not really played. Yeah, I've not played game via social media or postal. Um, I guess I've always. I've been intrigued by post. I think it's quaint, mm. but it's not really something I use an awful lot myself. Uh, because I, I'm not really the kind of person who sends cards. Uh, because sure, yeah, I, I kind of feel like you throw them away, and it's a bit of a. A bit of a yeah. waste. Um, mm. I'm quite happy with just a message or something. Um, mm. But you know, I guess it, it does like add to the authenticity of things too, especially when it comes to RPG and like journaling games and things like that. So yeah, I mean, who doesn't love dunking a piece of paper in a cup of tea and burning the edges on the stove <laughs> to make a treasure map? Yeah, I, I tried to do that and I wasn't very good. Oh. <laughs> By the way, to remind to remind everyone, backstabber is spelled like grinder. I think that's yeah, what you told I us the last time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No or tumbler. Yeah. Backstabber. <laughs> or tumbler. Um, 
Oh, and there's, I guess, would Alice is Missing fall into this category? Because that's a role-playing so. game sort of played over WhatsApp. Mm, or... Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I guess it is social mm. media. Same, you can play same, it over yeah, Messenger um, or whatever. Same with uh, this Discord uh, has ghosts. Oh, yeah, that sort of like ghost hunting house mm. exploration game. I've not played it, but it sounds fascinating. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. I think tabletop games have a lot of potential to, particularly RPGs have a lot of potential to be played in very interesting ways because mm. of, because they're a medium that can be kind of they're not tied to you know something like video games or where it's like i guess you have peripherals and, and different consoles and things like that but with tabletop yeah, yeah you can do things like use posts and and such uh, you know what there was um a friend put me onto this this week there's a video calling software um you know a bit like zoom or discord or whatever called gather where you have a little avatar and you walk around a, a 2D environment. Um, you know, it's a bit like, it looks a bit like Habbo Hotel or, you know, if you can remember <laughs> wow. such, such ancient what things as Habbo Hotel. Um, I know. Um, but basically, if you get close enough to a character, it puts you both in a video call. You drop in seamlessly and you're like, hello. And then if you move away you don't talk anymore so it'd be really handy for like you know when sometimes you're playing in in real life a, D, a well uh, an rpg session and the dm says i need to talk to you for a minute you can walk off and go that to a different room cool, and whisper yeah. secrets you can just do that on gather uh, and you can build your own environments so i wasn't there last night but my friends were playing in a virtual pub that they'd made <laughs> they were like look we've gone to the pub because oh that's just God. the stage we're at now yeah in 2021 <laughs> but anyway it's gather i think it's gather.town um, I think the, the possible applications for that are endless. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just written that down next to Keish. Next to Keish. Oh, Keish. wow. You are going to have an absolutely banging <laughs> evening. Keish, gather. Just having it. What's, what's your favourite Keish? Just while we're on the topic. Oh, do you know what? I was thinking about this during the podcast. Actually, so I was like, <laughs> I'm glad you're so, <laughs> I'm so sorry. keyed into what's, what's going on. I don't think I've had a Keish since I haven't been eating meat and i used to mm. always have like bacon and something else quiche lorraine yeah yeah classic um, but thing is like i don't it's not that i don't eat meat it's that i try to not eat meat yeah. so i'm kind of thinking i could just get a pack of bacon just for this i guess get some right? veggie bacon if you can get it like this like, isn't bacon num, 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 num. yeah i'll i'll think about it but yeah bacon okay. i think would be my go-to because mm. you, need, you need something like salty something like that i think yeah. in there just to to lift it away from like the bland egginess of the yeah sometimes you get like a cheese and tomato quiche and the tomato is just wet i'm a big fan of broccoli mm. i love broccoli and anything I'll, I'll, Fair. I'll eat oh, broccoli yeah, me too. I actually had in my head bacon and broccoli. I think yeah. would be a great broccoli. Combo. Broccoli and cheese is an excellent choice. Mm. Uh, Bit of Stilton in there, absolutely. Mm. Oh yes, not so much that. Okay, uh, so thank you, Simon, for your email about quiche. <laughs> um, that's uh, yeah, uh, lot of, lot to think about there. Lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Johnny, uh, would you like to read this next question from Will, please? Yes, uh, very much so. Hiya, Dicebreaker Gang, starts Will Sawyer. I'm pretty new to running RPGs. Currently, I've only run three sessions of D&D, and I'm enjoying it a lot. But I'm finding playing some of my story-critical NPCs a lot harder than I thought I would. Generally, I have a strong idea of how the NPC behaves and speaks going into an adventure, but when it comes to acting in front of my players, I struggle to maintain the character because, I guess, I get sort of awkward and embarrassed about it. 
I'm assuming this is just one of those gets better with experience situations, but I just wondered if you had any advice on how to get over that acting anxiety and maintain uh, staying character. Cheers, Will. Hmm. I think you're right, Will, in the sense that experience definitely helps. I think hmm. when you first start role-playing, it is very easy to kind of get overwhelmed by the thought of, I'm doing something silly. And it is silly. Like, role-playing is very silly. Um, it, I think it's fine to embrace that kind of ridiculousness uh, and kind of run with it. Um, not in the sense that all your characters have to be, you know, you know, uh, ridiculous. Um, just in the sense that uh, as soon as you come to terms with that... I think it, I think it helps with the social anxiety uh, because none of your I don't think any of your friends would laugh at you for what you're doing or like think less of you because you're the, mm. you're doing something lovely for them you're running a game for them and you know they want I'm sure they want to feel immersed in the story that you're telling uh, so uh, if you just go for it um, there's really nothing to lose. Um, and just like embrace having fun with mm. that. Uh, I know it's a lot easier said than done to kind of go, oh, just relax, it's fine, because social anxiety doesn't exactly work as simply as that. But mm. I think if you kind of hold on to that thought of my friends are want this and they like me and they like you know this story then I think that will help you, you know, overcome this feeling of social anxiety you're feeling. Mm. I think, I mean, I think that's excellent advice. And I think, yeah, um, knowing that it, it will improve with practice and just going for it are two great things to bear in mind. Um, I also think, make like, determining what it is that you're going for in your head also helps. Like, I know you said that, you know, you've got a great idea of who these characters are on paper and then they don't survive the encounter with the players. I think that's fine. And not every character, not every NPC has to be a fully realised, like, Daniel Day-Lewis depth yes. sort of character. I think, you know, you don't have to worry about doing mannerisms and an accent and a certain pattern mm. of speech or whatever. You can tiptoe up to those things by just introducing, like, one aspect. Because I find, from my experience as a player with NPCs, Players only really need one thing to remember about that character and it will make them more fully realised in their head. So, for example, you could have a, a an NPC that speaks in exactly your voice and sounds exactly like you, but you can just try as much as possible to start every sentence with the word, well, and end every sentence with, do you understand? Because mm. that in and of itself is is distinctive and memorable enough that the next time, you know, say you hear a voice out of the shadow saying, well, that was terribly awkward. Do you understand? They'll go, oh, it's blah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't basically don't pressure yourself to, to give an Oscar worthy performance from the get go with absolutely everyone, because yeah. sometimes you can, sometimes you can just do soft touches and sometimes you can deliberately phone it in mm. and it's just as effective. Mm. I think with... With, you know, actual play, video series and podcasts becoming a lot more popular, it can put a lot of pressure on people to deliver that kind of level of quality of, mm. of storytelling. Uh, and I'll give you a clue, a lot of the people who do that stuff 
like like with Critical Role, they're actors already. Like they've mm. been trained in this stuff for years. They have experience like acting. It's fine that you're not going to have a perfect accent for every character that you make. Accents are really hard anyway. I struggle at them. I'll usually pick one that's that you can do very strongly, uh, so that it, it at least I can maintain it somewhat. Mm. But like, don't push yourself to, yeah, like Johnny said, provide an Oscar-worthy performance. Hmm. What do you and think, I agree with Chloe? both of those points, and yes. I know for like, from my point of view, um, I was quite new to RPGs when I joined Dicebreaker, and like so much so that like I, I never did accents or like i never really kind of pl- role played i never really did the role playing part of of the the the, the rpgs so much um before dicebreaker and i think like you can even see like if you look back at some of the earlier rpgs that i i was a part of you can see that i didn't really characterize much um because i was like quite nervous it was like new people mm. and like also, for me, I, I might have, for some of these characters, I might have also had, like, an idea of what I wanted to do. But when it came to it, my mouth opened. I was just like, no, I'm just going to talk normal. Mm. And, like, um, and I think I did just get to a point where I got a bit more comfortable. And, like, I just started, like, slowly feeding in, like, maybe doing an accent or just doing something silly. And, all, and it kind of built it up on that. But even having said that, we filmed an RPG a couple of weeks ago. And... Uh, again I had an idea of what I wanted to do and when it came to it, I just was like drew back and was like no I don't want to do it mm. um so I still get that even though like we've now been doing RPGs together for a year and I've kind of done like some weird characters and like like <laughs> lots of weird, weird voices and yeah. well, Harry Otter will remain in my heart <laughs> forever do you Harry know what I mean Otter. but like when I did Harry Otter like that that evening I was I was in that space yeah. where I, w- I was like happy to do it and I, I just wanted to get silly whereas mm. like when we filmed the other day I, I was in the same headspace and mm. I just like had to give myself a break yeah. and like just play the character differently than what I had imagined because I just wasn't ready to do it that day um and so like you know give yourself a break but obviously like yeah what what the other two have been saying but also like you know maybe just feed in something small here and there and eventually over time you will just go crazy off the wall and mm. <laughs> won't even think about it anymore yeah um mm. uh i'm gonna use last question from at b movies 212 they've asked since one of my friends is trying to organize a zoom D game over roll 20 for us what are your guys memories of your first D experience hmm. um my first D experience was i think actually january 2018 one of that it's like almost bang bang on two years ago um and it was uh my friend sunny had been uh uh dming um a bunch of people already a bunch of friends of mine and um so he came to the office that i was working in because of a bunch of us wanted to try D. and he was like yeah i'll run a, a you know one shot for you so he came in and it was myself uh my colleague and one of the the managers of of the company um and we we kind of did this thing at the beginning where we established our characters and our relationships with each other and somehow it turned into uh, so my the manager he was like he had come up with this like ridiculous character who just smelled of 
poo and um i think he might have been a dwarf i can't remember mm. I, I feel like he was quite short i don't remember exactly what he was but um i i actually have a, a picture that i drew of it in my in my notepad at the time and um it just ended up being really silly and i remember that um after the session the my colleague who's a woman um went to the gm and was like um was this this and this like a reference to like the company and he was like yeah yeah so like he'd he'd made all these he'd kind of built this world and actually took people from the company and put them in as npcs and i did not get that at all because i was so concentrating on like trying to play the game mm. that i did not get any of the references and at the end she was like yeah this this and this and i was like oh my god and i missed all these references <laughs> and i was like that's, so that's amazing <laughs> I like I enjoyed the gameplay, but then I also like once I kind of figured all that out, or well, till it was revealed, I was like, oh my god, that's so cool that you could do that, and like you brought all these people that we know into the game, and I had no idea, and um, yeah, I was hooked. I was really hooked after that first session. That's awesome. Really good. Hmm. Yeah. Um, my route into D and I first like I'd been playing uh, pen and paper RPGs for about six or seven years before I even touched D and D. Uh, and I ran, I think, three sessions of it for some friends, just going through the starter box, like the Lost Minds of Fandelver. Um, and then I didn't touch it again for a couple of years uh, when we started the Oxventure. So I only had three sessions of D&D under my belt when we started that. Um, and my first time as a player came a couple of years after that, I think, when I did Questing Time um, live in London. Uh, Questing Time is, is run by Paul Foxcroft, who's uh, an amazing uh, DM and just all-round performer. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was on stage in a sort of sold-out venue of people who were incredibly rowdy. Um, <laughs> and I was just sat there. I was like, this is my first actual game of uh, Dungeons and, and Dragons. Um, and I played a dwarf called Good Good Nice Dwarf. Because um, I came from a family of doors where um, older siblings were allowed to name the the new children, so I think I think it was canon that I was called Good Good Nice Dwarf and that I named my younger sibling Prick. So, oh my god! Yeah, wow. Good Good Nice Dwarf was uh, was uh, an interesting character. But yeah, what about you, <laughs> you man? Yeah, so D and D, like a lot of people, was the first RPG I played. Um, you know, which was an interesting experience. Um, I played as a rogue because I've always liked characters that kind. I like the idea of being a character that squats in a dark corner and and kind of like laughs at the fact that no one else knows they're there. Uh, and and it's why I like stealth games. I just love that feeling of 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 yeah, watching people and they're not yeah, they're not. They're clueless. But um, yeah, uh, this character was quite low level though, so there was not really many opportunities for her to do that. Uh, she had dual wielding blades. Uh, she was very sort of teenager level of angst. Uh, and she just wanted money all the time. And so we were in this fairly bog standard dungeon. And uh, rather than go with the others to kind of fight the main boss, uh, she ended up going into a room filled with monies uh, and being locked in there for eternity. Because it turns out, it was, oh god! Turns out it was a trap. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, I was I was expecting trap. I wasn't expecting eternal. Yeah, That's I mean, brilliant. I at that point I wasn't clued up enough to think 
I should maybe roll like a perception check or something to see if there's any because she could identify traps I just didn't bother to do it yeah why would you uh... I mean, n- not to criticise the DM and not to sound like Bean Dad, but that was definitely a teachable moment. I mean, know. it was intended to be a one-shot. It's not like this is a... Oh, okay. Oh, fine campaign. then. I thought you were going to no, say, like, like this, this never... is a campaign. No, this was never intended to be like, oh, this is the okay. epic campaign we're playing. No, this was always intended to be a one-shot. And mm. I I wasn't hugely attached to the character. And I thought it was it was pretty funny, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's great. That's, yeah, that's, that's that pretty funny. funny. What yeah. way to go out? Like, because the thing is, the all the other players' characters perished at the final boss anyway. Oh lord! Because uh, they were hopeless. Uh, yeah. So, I guess at least she died doing what she loved. How was... did you find your first sort of D and D experience? Well, your first role playing experience ending in a TPK. Did that put you off at all? I didn't. The thing is, I think the DM played it very much in the sense of, like, these are the rules and this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And I kind of took, I at that point, I kind of knew that my fun with playing RPGs isn't so much the system. It's more, okay, what opportunities can I have to act as this character? And that's why I kind of leaned into her her very rudimentary sort of character traits of I like money. Sure. Um, so the fact that everyone else died, I found more funny than anything else. And I think everyone okay. else was relatively okay with it because, again, we weren't expecting to, to take these characters beyond that session. Mm. Like, a few months, I'd say, after that, I got more into role-playing games as a long-term thing. I played like a, a fairly long Pathfinder campaign uh, with a character that I did like very much and another D&D campaign with a character I liked. Um, so I had those experiences. But mm. I think the first experience was really just like the potential for wackiness that mm-hmm. I kind of experienced and like... I can make these characters that hopefully have evolved beyond I like money and maybe have a bit more nuance now. But, like, you've got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and with that, that's the last question. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for your your questions. Uh, once again, hit us up at Join Dicebreaker on Twitter uh, if you have any questions of your own. Uh, but now it's time for uh, the video team to tell us. Oh, Luli. <laughs> yeah, I'm so ready. To, to, to tell us. Go for it, mate. Uh, what is going on on the video side of things? What do the viewers and listeners have to look forward to on YouTube slash Dicebreaker? Well, I'm so glad that you asked, Alex Mian, because I have got the content schedule tell, in yeah. front of me this minute. And um, what we've got coming up is, um, the, well, today is Friday, yeah. as podcast, podcast listeners will know. And on Wednesday, you will have seen our first ever episode of You've Never Played, where we show Johnny a flip and write which he thought was going to be a roll and write, but it's actually a flip and write. Yeah, but it's a new series where uh, somebody who hasn't played an absolutely vital tabletop game uh, plays it Mm. and sort of tries to see what all the fuss is about. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was welcome. And we played to Welcome Two, yeah. which yeah. we talked about earlier. That was and, very good um, fun. That was that was really good fun. Yeah. And and uh... over the weekend, our adventures <laughs> in Age of Sigmar Soulbound, the uh, Warhammer RPG, yep. continue. Uh, we've also got a feature coming up on uh, out of print games that we we wish were still around. Mm. Um, and then we're straight back into uh, a new week, um, which will start with, you know, we'll, we'll have another episode of You've Never Played. We've got uh, a live stream. We haven't settled on a game for that one yet. And then podcast, couple more features. Time marches inevitably <laughs> onwards, Alex <laughs> Meehan. Oh, um, uh, yes. It... Like, subscribe and ring that bell icon. Yeah. How about the website? That's all that really matters in the, the grand mm-hmm. scheme of life. Um, yes, uh, so the website. <laughs> so usually uh, Mr. Jarvis does this part. Uh, however, mm. he has kindly left me some notes to use because um, uh, his brain is like a library. It just holds vast amounts of information. Uh, In so... the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's a marvel. Um, so on the website we've got coming up, uh, Jason Cole's has uh, put out a preview of the new Coldheim Magic the Gathering set, um, which is very exciting. Uh, I did a little bit of news on that. There's some interesting cards and characters being included in that set, so you can read that on the site right now, I believe. Um, coming up is a very interesting feature by Kiran Trividi on Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, uh, the role-playing game and how it's dealing with its problematic past and mm. what Dungeons and Dragons can learn from the recent changes Ooh. going on over there that because it does sound interesting. It's been taken over by Renegade, who are a good lot, um, mm. and they're making uh, efforts to change things for the better. Um, there's also a another feature coming up from uh, Reed Connolly. On the benefits of logging gameplays, um, uh, my list of the best board games available now uh, is should be up by now. <laughs> we said this two podcasts in a row, but we've been having technical difficulties. Uh, but uh, by by God, it's coming. Don't worry, <laughs> it's probably up by now. Uh, so that's just a, a list of what you should have on your shelf. Uh, right now, and there is also a, a review of Dune Imperium, the deck building game um, that I really want to play mm. uh, coming up uh, on the site, uh, which is very exciting. So if you want to know whether it's worth uh, getting your hands on that, you can find out on dicebreaker.com. Delicious. But until... Yum, yum, yum. Eh? <laughs> yum, yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. yum. <laughs> Uh, eat that quiche um, and until uh, then uh, uh, next episode next week where hopefully Mr. Jarvis will be back please uh, it's a lot of pressure you know um, you did a great job don't, oh, don't you're, too, it. you're too kind um, I have been Alex Meehan staff writer for Dicebreaker joined by Alex Lolis thank you for having me and Johnny Chiodini <laughs> <laughs> what what indeed uh and until next time uh stay safe out there and have a lovely day send us pictures of quiche send us pictures of quiche bye <laughs>